So, um, so yeah, the last time we talked, um, I think I said that Die Hard was my favorite movie, which at the time was probably a very honest answer, and it's still absolutely right near the top. But um, uh, I, I think in the last like 20 years, especially watching with my kids, um, Scott Pilgrim t- uh, vs. the World has taken the number one slot, and uh, it just—I <laughs> just, uh, just love it so much. And the, the sensibilities and the sense of humor in that movie is just right in my wheelhouse. I just, you know, the um, the thousands of you know chickens not vegan, and you know, uh, the, you know the L word lesbian, the other L word lesbians, you know, like. <laughs> There's a gazillion of just wonderful little one-liners, um, and then when you put, throw in the editing and the um, the filmmaking behind it, like the um, intentional edits, you know, he edits like in camera, right? I mean, like the switch pans and uh, switch pan off, switch pan on. Um, it's just a, it's just a delight every time I watch it. Doesn't matter where the movie is when I jump in there. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm in. You know, I, I'm, I'm hooked till the end. Um, I agree. So yeah, so three years ago, Scott Pilgrim was your un- underrated, and now it's oh, it was. Now it's top okay. three. Now it's number one with a bullet. By the way, ah, oh, darn. I will, uh, and I love this. I love that you jumped right in talking about your favorites, and and uh, Die Hard is not demoted. It's just been joined by by Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which I also, yes. when you laughed, it's because I threw my arms up when you said that because yeah, I think I think it is just a, such a special movie. Yeah, and I love Edgar Wright in general. I mean, his his movies are fantastic, um, but that one in, in particular. That one in particular is is uh, is my favorite. It's wonderful, and I I don't know. Well, well, first I'm going to say something controversial, but first I'm going to do uh, a, a late introduction, which is welcome to Discover Indie Film. You've got Brett Nicoletti uh, on Zoom with Jeff Howard. I'm Jeff. You're, Brett is the other voice that isn't me, and we just finished an interview all about Brett's work. Uh, he's a editor director. Pretty much, I think the word filmmaker fits best. And and Brett's films, Greg is here, and The Running Man in Pasadena are have played, uh, both played at Film Invasion Los Angeles that I am the head programmer of. So this is his second time on the podcast. In theory, since we always do uh, an interview and then the four questions separately, this is your fourth Discover Indie Film podcast we're recording right now. So I'd like to say that makes you the returning champion. Great. It's and good to for know. Those who want to watch your work, <laughs> they should go to Amazon Prime Video, type in Discover Indie Film into the search field and enjoy. Your work is in season two and season seven. And we're good. I think that's enough introduction. Oh, yeah. And if you go to watchhightv.com, uh, you can also see the films uh, on that streaming service and or smart TV app called High TV. All right. So now... Editor's note, every time I say Hi TV, I should have actually said TV High. The service has been rebranded. It is called TV High, as in watchtvhigh.com, T-V-H-I. And you can learn more about it on social media if you go to at watchtvhigh. And that's always T-V-H-I. Back to the podcast. Die Hard, Scott Pilgrim, these are all wonderful films. I love Spock. Wow, I'd spot spot Kilgram. 
Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> I just love the film as well. And I still uh, kind of think the lead is miscast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, have a, still, do you have a replacement? <laughs> I am not sure who should replace, but I geeked out once with my daughter and like, because I was like, some some scenes, even though I think the film is perfect, and I'm blanking on his name. Can you tell me his name? Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. I think Michael Sarah yeah. is hilarious and wonderful and great. But I don't know. Maybe it's because I played bass in high school, and when he's holding that bass, it looks so awkward in his hands. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe See, I did not bass play bass, thing, <laughs> or maybe I don't see him as a fighter. Somehow Schwartzman comes off as a better fighter than him, but. Uh-huh. I yeah. still think the film is wonderful, and I'm not sure who the replacement is, but my daughter and I bothered to look at the uh, graphic novel or comic books. Okay. And, like, every other character totally matches the comic book. Like, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Winstead is totally, totally looks like the girl in the comic book. And yet, uh, and then he's, like, totally an aberration. But I have a feeling that his participation got the film made. So... I should be grateful. Probably, right? I mean, Anna Kendrick's in that movie, but that might have been a little early before she um Yeah, she, she was she was big. uh she had had you know, a couple of the, the big successes. So he yeah, was Ju- he, he was in Juno. Was Juno before that? Juno was before that. I don't know. I should I should probably look him up, but but he was very hot when it came out. Yeah. And odds are a studio cuz it was so early in Edgar Wright's career, right? Yeah, it was like after Shaun the Sheep, right? Or Shaun of the Dead, not Shaun, Shaun the Sheep. of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> we watched so much Shaun of the Sheep in this household uh, about ten years ago. Yeah, I think it was like right after Shaun of the Dead, maybe because he made a few of those, right? He made like uh, Hot Fuzz and um, yeah, The World's End. But Shaun of the Dead was first, and then I think he did Scott Pilgrim second. Um, could be wrong about that order, but but um. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Michael was great, but I was not. I'm not a guitar player, so um, so I may. Uh, yeah, that that could be tinted, uh, tainting your uh, just a little bit, taking him down ten percent. Maybe there was a, you know, somebody who could who could hold that axe a little bit better. Maybe, maybe, but I, I should just shut up about it because, like I'm saying, I I think the film is wonderful. I mean, that, I wish I could think. Oh, of you know what? It, it came after. Yeah, it was super bad in Juno. And then Michael Sarah did, and then Youth in Revolt and Scott Pilgrim came out after that. So yeah, after yeah. right after Super, Super Bad. Bad and Juno, yeah. he was he was yeah, that's he, a big he definitely yeah. helped get that thing made by adding himself. Yeah. So I'll take it back. I'll just they could put McLovin. McLovin could play uh, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> 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 I don't think Jonah Hill was quite there, but I think McLovin maybe right in there. <laughs> Uh, full, uh, oh, McLovin, talk about talk about a uh, talk about a wonderful that film. one. That's perfect, perfect casting. Absolutely. All right. Well, so and and then uh, your other three is graduate still up there. I mean, I love the graduate. I mean, I was going to throw a couple other ones at you, like just a recent stuff. You know, like did you see Barbarian? I haven't seen Barbarian yet. Oh God, it's so good, so good. It's like the um, definitely the you know. I mean, I, we talked earlier about Oscars and how you know it's hard to crack the top ten, and people talk about certain movies. All of a sudden, this dialogue goes on, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, 
promoting Barbarian as the best movie of the year, but I kind of am actually. <laughs> it really, I mean, it's really, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic watch. It's on HBO now, I think. Um, and it's just a great horror movie. And it has this amazing sort of um, pivot in the middle that is just like shocking, but also like uh, fantastic and just like um, so fun. And it just kind of remind, I mean, it's, it's its own thing. It's, it's not like a throwback to anything, but it does remind me of like when I used to watch horror movies as a kid and just like laugh and was scared, but also just kind of knew that I was on a really great ride. And, um, and that's what barbarian, I mean, it really is a fantastic, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic movie. So I was going to throw that out there as a, um, as an, as a new, as a new contender. <laughs> I greatly appreciate it because actually I, I didn't even tell you that, that our 15 year old almost exclusively watches horror. Yeah. Oh, I mentioned my the Spider-Man son, my son is like that. My son loves, loves horror too, and got me back into it. And so we've since watched it and all these, uh, sort of other horror movies and, you know, like the, um, paranormal activity ones. And, um, but barbarian was special is a, is a special horror movie. Did you do the, uh, what was it? Fear street trilogy on Netflix? Uh, no. Oh, I highly recommend it. It's very cool. What they did. Okay. Netflix did. Okay. A trilogy, I should look it up and because uh, it's directed by this, she's this wonderful director. But uh, it's three decades, it's, it's like there's a like, oh, I'm gonna get it wrong now, but it's like the first film is takes place in the I think the first film takes place now, and then the second film is actually a generation back to the 80s, and then the third film is like several generations back to like, I, I think. Uh, like pilgrim times. Oh wow. Oh, wow! And it and it all ties together like wonderfully. I was like, wow. this is one of the best horror trilogies I've ever seen. Called Fear Street. I am ninety nine percent sure it's Fear Street. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll watch and, it. Uh, yeah, we both rediscovered horror through uh, through kids. Yeah, there's lots of great. Um, it's it's definitely like obviously they're making horror movies like crazy now, right? So the, I mean, we saw X. This year, which was also really good, very, I think it was NC-17. I think it's NC-17. It's like very, very um, adult. That didn't keep me from taking my 15-year-old, of course. But, <laughs> but, good for you. <laughs> but, I, had uh, to, I had to, I forget what it was, but there was, a, <laughs> oh, well, anyway, I'll, I'll tell you later. But uh, yeah. that's one of the joys, uh, not to be binary, but one of the joys of being a dad is, you know, showing them stuff they shouldn't see. One of the joys of being a yeah. parent <laughs> yeah. is like, look, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. you're old enough to watch Fight Club, so let's just do it. I'll pretend. I'll pretend. I mean, think about when you were 15, you were watching every. When you were 15, you were watching everything, right? I mean, and it, <laughs> so it's. I mean, it's they're either going to watch it with you or without you, you know. So yeah, um, for sure. So, uh, you know, there's some teachable moments in there, but most of the time it's just good, clean fun. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So the barbarian, do you want to change your underrated? Um, uh, well, actually I saw a documentary, um, to, to keep, to get back to the spirit of, of documentaries. I saw a documentary called Harlan County, USA. Have you ever seen this? It's a 1976, um, 
documentary about a coal mining uh, strike in West Virginia. And it was filmed by a um, female, I'm not going to say her name because I, I don't want to say, I don't want to name the wrong female um, director, but um, Barbara Koppel. Barbara Koppel. Okay. I was going to, that's what I was going to say, but I just didn't want to, I didn't want to miss say it if it was, it was incorrect. Um, so she shot this, this film on film and uh 16 millimeter film. And it was a, there was a strike going on in West Virginia. I can't, I, I'm sure I looked it up after I saw the movie, but um, I can't remember why she decided to go down there, but she went down, she was living in New York city, went down, she was a 20 something um, film cameras and, you know, Nagra sound equipment um, and filmed this amazing documentary about this small town in West Virginia that was um, striking against these coal companies that were clearly, you know, all these workers were getting sick, like really sick, dying. Um, you know, everything we know now about coal mining and, you know, what they were saying publicly back then is atrocious, you know. Um, but um, just an amazing film and holds up today big time. And it's beautiful. Um the fact that it's shot on film is like makes it really unique, but it's also like really beautifully shot. The story is uh, very relevant still, you know, with, you know, big business versus uh, the worker. And um, I, I just thought, I just thought it was fantastic. It's definitely worth a watch. It's, it's very findable. It's uh, I think that is also on HBO max. At least it was when I saw it, you may have taken it off since then. Um, but they're definitely worth a watch for uh, uh, the documentary uh, buffs would love it. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic thing. It's, it's different than, you know, what we're used to today. Cause you know, we were able to shoot all this footage and sometimes do some like uh, really, you know, high paced editing and, you know, jump from one country to another and a snap of, you know, your fingers. But um, this is a much more, um, tactically filmed documentary and really professionally done and just uh, um, a masterpiece. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I know you make me think of our previous chat uh, earlier today, the, the, the podcast before this, where you talked about, you know, having cinematographers and this and that and adding, adding crew onto a documentary. And yeah, in the days where you had to shoot on film, the level of expertise needed, uh, around that camera was so high. Yeah. And, and actually having to like, um, be economical about your, what you're shooting. Right. I mean, it's now we can just shoot, 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 shoot. Right. And it's, you know, like dump the, pull the card out, dump it onto a hard drive, put the card back in, start filming again, you know, but when you, when you have film and you're an independent documentary filmmaker, who's not traveling to a location with, you know, just endless supply of, of film mags. Um, you have to be very economical and smart about what you're shooting and also know that you got it, you know, and, and move on, you know, stop filming and move on to the next thing because, I can't even imagine, you know, what they went through trying to um, decide like, okay, we've spent enough time here. We're going to go, go to the, you know, we're going to wrap and go to the next location. Um, and also having to shoot when, when certain things were happening. I mean, there are, you know, people who are crossing the picket line and 
Um, there are fights breaking out. So, you know, you still have to be loose enough that you can turn the camera on and get it when there's something important happening. Um, but a whole different world back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Well, hopefully that's, will be partially responsible. The, the new technology will be responsible for a new generation of wonderfully made and more easily attainable documentary, right? Because now you're able to do what you do because technology caught up. That's true. That's true. I would not, I would not be taking a film camera to <laughs> Greg's house and <laughs> no. rolling no, I... film and you know, taking out the bag and switching, you know, you have to, you have to switch the roll inside the, one of those silver bags, you know, and take it out. And so it doesn't get exposed. Like even, even when it was like the cartridge, right? Like an eight millimeter film cartridge, yeah. pop on, pop mm-hmm. off Kodachrome, whatever. It still was going to be just prohibitively expensive to, to make documentary. Yeah. Amazing that they made documentary yeah. back in the days when I can remember how much it would cost to develop film when it's 24 frames just a second. Still photos. Yeah. 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 Super expensive. And I mean, I don't know what kind of funding she had for that or if she went and did it on her own. I'm I'm, I'm guessing she had some, somebody behind her. Um, but, uh, it couldn't have been that much. Couldn't have been that much. You know, I'm sure yeah. she was sleeping on people's couches and you know, all that stuff. Um, so, but I, I mean, kudos, you know, really like an amazing achievement. Absolutely. Yeah. I will question number three is normally uh, overrated. I don't know if you want to. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm probably gonna, uh, I'm probably going to have a lot of people who disagree with me. But I actually saw Maverick this year, and I was like, I, I thought it felt a lot like the first one. You know, like it was. Uh, I thought it was good. You know, like the, the how they practically filmed a lot of that a lot of the plane footage and stuff and, you know, the action sequences were, were fun. Um, but the, the story itself was kind of the same, you know, and it didn't feel like there was much, like I say over, I say, I say this cause the question is overrated, right? Did I think it was a good movie? Yes. Did I think it was like groundbreaking or special? And no, I, I don't. I just, I, I thought, I think, people have like fallen in love with this movie. Like it's the, you know, like the return of cinema and, you know, uh, everybody's going back to the movies now and that's all great. I'm all for, you know, I'm really happy that it did really well and that people are going back to theaters. Um, but I didn't think it was, you know, uh, I feel like I've heard people say that it was like, you know, uh, way better than the first one. I definitely disagree with that. And, um, just, you know, I thought it felt like the exact same format as the first one, aside from maybe, um, you know, it's, it's Goose's son instead of his dad. And, and, uh, um, you had the Val Kilmer story, which was interesting, you know, with him being sick. Um, but generally the arc of the story was pretty much exactly the same right down to the little sports scene they had in the middle. And, um, so, (laughs) so, uh, so yeah. So anyway, uh, I, 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 I appreciate your answer. I actually <laughs> did not see Top Gun Maverick and I kind of yep. never want to. I understand it probably is a good <laughs> action movie. It's a good Hollywood blockbuster action film, but it's yeah. also completely uncreative and completely unoriginal. And it's just, you know, yeah, it's amazing that a 60 year old man can look like he did when he was 30 
But yeah, I didn't even, whatever I would, I have friends who would disown me if they heard me say this, but I mean, the first one wasn't very good either. They're just, yeah, they're just, you know, they could, I remember, I always thought this one, they also did the same thing where like the, the bad guys are like some sort of generic undefined, right. They wouldn't more more so than the first one. Like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an obscure country somewhere in the center of, you know, Asia and Europe. Yeah. Uh, but Just like uh, I, actually love, I actually love the first one. I really enjoyed it. And it's one of those movies that had that was on the in the, the VHS circuit. Um, I quoted that movie with my friends a gazillion times. But um but they just kind of went back to the same formula, basically went back to the same formula with this one. And um and it's, you know, much slicker and, you know, the, the opening sequence is the exact same opening sequence. The opening credit sequence of them on a um, on a um, aircraft carrier and the planes going on. It's the, with the same song. It's the same opening sequence. And you're just like, really? Like, <laughs> I, bet, well, I mean, I guess they're trying to be like kind of grab the nostalgic side uh, um the nostalgic hook, but I was, you know, I had seen it before, so I don't know why we're seeing it again. And it was a similar sort of deal, you know? So he gets in trouble at the beginning and then he gets sent to top gun because something opens up and it shouldn't have, but now they have to send him there. I guess the same thing. So anyway. I, I got to I just overrated. Answer. I totally appreciate this chat because I, uh, almost got forced to watch it. Uh, <laughs> on my honeymoon cruise and I dodged it. I dodged it. I avoided watching it that night that it was screening and did something else. And, uh, and yeah, I'm going to have to talk my wife into seeing it without me. Cause I, I would like to, uh, I am a film nerd and there are certain films I've never seen. And I think it's so cool that I've never seen them. I want to go, I want to go to my grave without having, you know what? I never saw Dirty Dancing and I am going to go to my, and I never saw Grease. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go to my grave having not seen Dirty Dancing or Grease. And I think it's, <laughs> I'm just glad. <laughs> and I'm adding Top Gun Maverick to that. Uh, there you go. I mean, if you're going to see Maverick, you've got to see it on the big screen. I mean, that's the, that's the, but the best part about it is it's a total popcorn movie, you know, like it's, you know, fighter planes, you know, going a thousand miles an hour through the sky and whizzing by you. And I mean, the sound is like spectacular. Right. But um, seeing it, on t- I can't uh, watching it on television. I'll definitely never watch it again. I may watch the first one again just because for my own personal nostalgic um, purposes or even like scenes of it. But the second one, I have no I really have no interest. But people love it, even like. Um, you know, I listen to the big picture show. I don't know if you listen to that podcast. They love, they love it. They love it so much. And I love that show. And I love those, um, the hosts, but, uh, I just disagree. <laughs> I just didn't think it was that great. Yeah, that's, that's nothing yeah. wrong with that. All right. Well, the yeah. last question, and by the way, I love your answer from three years ago, but, uh, is, is a, a lesser known film for people to seek out. So I guess that was my Harlan County hit, but, uh, but, um, well, if you want, uh, you can keep it that you kind of made that underrated if you want it, but that, that could be your, yeah. your lesser known. I mean, there's years a, ago, there's... you, you named kids in the hall brain candy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. And the kids in the hall now has a show on, uh, Amazon. Have you been watching it? I, I... am. Did we, 
go on and on. I am a Kids in the Hall fanatic. So when they brought back Kids in the Hall and unburied them for a prime video series, I was one of those uh, comedy nerds who wept during the opening credits. Like, <laughs> it's just like, I can't believe it's back. Yeah, well, they call back Brain Candy in the first episode, right? And uh, And I tried to watch it with my wife and daughter, and they were just out you know like within five i mean the naked dudes on you know like in the middle of the what what i can't remember even remember we watched the first like 10 minutes and uh and they just they were like this is stupid i'm not watching and so they had never seen brain candy before so they didn't get that whole the beginning um so i have i have not revisited that yet um so but i i'm gonna need to because it sounds like it's good and i've heard i've heard that it's good the series so good yeah it's so good and inspired. I, I'm going to watch it again. It, interestingly, I think you, with the new episodes, so you didn't watch all the new episodes? Didn't quite? No, no. I only saw like the first 10 minutes of the first episode. Oh, yeah. I think you got to yeah. stick through. Somewhere around episode two or three, it really kicks in uh, when Dave okay. Foley okay. plays the Shakespeare bust. Got to promise me you'll make it to the Shakespeare bust. And by the way, I'll okay. just add okay, for Kids in the Hall, someone who appreciates <laughs> Kids in the Hall, is Amazon Prime Video also has an amazing documentary about them. And uh, and then they oh, did cool. a miniseries called Death Comes to Town. So everyone in the world should appreciate Kids in the Hall. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will throw out um, Minding the Gap. Did we talk about that one when I was no. here? Uh, no, I don't know how, I don't know how underrated this one would be or, or, or unknown, lesser known. Cause I think it got nominated for the Oscar for a feature doc, um, a few years ago, but it is a, just an unbelievable documentary about these young boys from the Midwest who are skateboarders and, um, the filmmaker, when he started filming, he was 14 or 15. Um, and he was just making skateboard videos. Um, and then it turned, he started, he started turning his camera on his friends, you know, in downtime and, you know, um, doing testimonials basically, or kind of off the cuff conversations. Um, and all, all of his friends, their lives take, you know, different turns as they do for, you know, kids in the suburbs of the Midwest, you know, some of them, one, one in particular, his girlfriend gets pregnant and then he ends up having to get a job. And, um, this kid kept filming until he was, I don't know, 22 or 20. I think he filmed for seven or eight years. Um, he was, uh, um, it, it, he started, he then interviews his mom. And I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly, he was abused by his mom's boyfriend for years and years. And so he has this interview with his mother where he talks to her about it and asks her like how she could let this happen to him while, um, she was living under the same roof. She breaks down. I mean, it is just like super emotional. He's filming himself while he's filming her cutting from the interview set with the lights to you know, the interview coming out of his camera. Um, and, uh, it's, it's gut wrenching. The skateboarding footage is amazing, you know, and it's dead. Nobody else could make that movie. I mean, it's just a, it's, um, 
it's like intimate look at teenage life in middle in the center of the country. And then, um, all these sort of abuse stories that, that came out of that, that the, the, the teenagers who were in the film were, were, um, victims of, and, um, and it's just, it's a, a yet another masterpiece to not to, um, not to use that same word again, but it really, I mean, um, I think he's a Korean filmmaker. Um, I don't know if you have it in front of you. I did. I brought it up. Uh, um, yeah, I mean his his name is uh, Bing Liu. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, which and he's with uh, Chinese, speak. I would guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, my bad. Um, but he did. Uh, oh, holy moly! Oh no, he was he worked on after that he worked on big movies, uh, Divergent. Yeah. And uh, but but not directing. He he worked on them though. Got it. Yeah, I think he I think he's a cinematographer as well. Um but um he and I think he also um Steve James is the guy who made uh Hoop Dreams. Um he has a production company in Michigan or Chicago. Um and I think Bing Lu is working with him also on his projects. So but um they're amazing. Minding the gap. It's an incredible, incredible movie. I, I just yeah, well, and it's one of, I mean, I love what you said because one of the more rewarding things you can get out of documentary, I think, is longitudinal, like being filmed over a long period of time, I think just adds so much. You know, it's it's kind of what Linklater was trying to do with boyhood in a way in the in the fictional world. But yeah, to see people grow and see them throughout their lives that's just and have it be real that's yeah. that's something that you can't do with any other medium no 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 i mean he i i say that i had you know 20 hours for greg is here i can't this kid must have had 500 hours of film you know i mean just hundreds of hours of footage you just all the gopro and the phone camera footage and you know, also the properly or professionally filmed footage that with as he got bigger and better cameras, you know, because um, it just, you know, um, and it all works, even though it's all a mishmash of all these different formats and sources, it all totally kind of works together because you're just you're watching the story unveil in front of your eyes. And it's like, here's eight years of teenage into young adulthood life in 90 minutes <laughs> and all the best stuff is in that 90 minutes. And it's just, the editing is fantastic. I mean, it's like really great. Wonderful. All right. I, yeah. I had heard of it and I never caught it and I believe it's on Hulu. So I can watch that soon. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth it. Well worth it. Yeah. I think we're good to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. All right. All right, people, you just got to listen to Brett Nicoletti. Yeah, I mean, you answered the Discover Indie Film 4 questions. Now you've done it uh, in 2019 and then again in 2022. So I guess 2025, I'm going to, uh, that'd be cool if I remember to say, hey, Brett, let's 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 do that again. Let's see. And then you'll be like, you know what? Right back. Yeah. Top Gun Maverick, number one. Not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe. You never but know. <laughs> one thing is for sure, and one thing I miss about uh you mentioned a few times like the the VHS era is we used to watch films more than once all the time. And now with mm-hmm. 10 billion hours of streaming hours available to us, 10 thousands and thousands of hours of films at our fingertips on streaming services, it you, you never rewatch something. You never watch a film for the second time. Yeah, I don't know if that's the VHS streaming thing or if it's just like we're adults and we just don't have the time or the... I mean, I feel like with this being my career, like I feel like I need to watch as much as I can. And if I've seen something already, well, what am I doing going back? And that's, it's, it's a silly, it's a silly thing to say, because of course you you watch something a second time. I'm sure if I watch Maverick a second time, I'd have an appreciation for something that I didn't have the first time. But, but like my son to bring this back to my 15 year old son, he watches the same thing over and over and over again. (laughs) So like he's seen friends, 12 the all 10 seasons 12 times <laughs> i'm not kidding um you know he, he watches 21 jump street over and just like he'll be playing you know madden on his playstation and uh and friends or 21 jump street or spider-man or whatever name one of 50 pieces of content and it's that's you know he's he is doing that's when i used to watch do the rewatching right when I was a teenager and I had, you know, nine hours to kill. <laughs> I think you're totally 19th. right. So yeah, we just have yeah. to retire. We have to retire and do no work <laughs> whatsoever. And then we, I think you're, I think you're probably right. I was going to say one of the great, and decide joys, this is a, right. A great joy I get out of festival uh, programming is you watch everything at the screener level and then when you hold the festival, mm-hmm. I see all the films again. Yeah. And it really is something to watch, especially a feature, but shorts too. But to watch something twice, yeah, there's always a a different experience the second time. Yeah. I mean, one way to do it is to relive it with your kids, right? It's like that's one way to like – like we Nate and I went and saw uh, Jaws this past summer at the uh, – Pasadena um, town city hall. They had an outdoor screening and we went and watched it and he had seen it before, but he was, he was the one who suggested we go see it again. And I was jaws. I'll go see that movie. I'll watch that movie any, any day of the week. (laughs) I just love it. Um, And so, um, and I've that there's probably 15, 20 movies, maybe more with both my kids that I've like demanded you know, we're, we're, we're sitting down and <laughs> we're watching this die hard this Christmas. You know, we watched, we watched that over My daughter had never seen it before. Um, so that's one way to, to, to get it done, you know, is <laughs> you can relive movies, but those are still the classics of our childhood. Right. Um, not necessarily something that's, you know, been made in the last 10 years. For um, sure. Yeah. Well, I'll just mention one film in, as we close, which is I know I have devoted myself because the kid didn't see it with us. I definitely want to see everything everywhere all at once again. 
Yeah, that I, I said that to Nate this morning, and he was like, "No way, I don't want to see it anymore." <laughs> and uh, I, because when I saw it, it was overwhelming. I, I, I just, I was, I was a little bit overwhelmed. I, I was trying to catch up with what was going on, and the editing is so frenetic. Um, I just, I, I felt like I was behind most of the way, and I feel like it. That's a perfect example, right, of a movie that if you watch that a second time, uh, you know you're going to just because you know what's up now, like you know what the the concept is and you kind of know what they're doing, like you can then appreciate it a lot more. I still don't quite know what the bagel's all about, but I, you know, <laughs> but I feel like I'll get a better idea of what that is on a second watch, but I you will. I, totally I geeked agree. out after literally Literally just said that to Nate this morning. It's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I geeked out <laughs> after watching it, and, like, I definitely want to watch it again because I geeked out and, like, read reviews and and uh, trivia stuff about it. And, like, they – yeah, when you watch it again, there's there's things throughout that refer – and actually, like, the Google Eye and the bagel are, are visual opposites. It's white with a black center instead of black with a white center. Uh, no, yeah. And uh, anyway – so, oh, yeah. heck, I'll just yeah, wrap good. this up. That's good. Yeah. All, all right. right. Sounds good. All right. So good seeing you, you again, man. Sorry. Good seeing you again. Good seeing you. <laughs> all right. Well, here, I'll, I'll talk us through. You just got to listen to Breck Nic- Nicoletti answer the four questions again. Uh, favorite films, underrated film, overrated film, a lesser known to seek out, uh, great suggestions. And if you want to see, Brett's two films, uh, Running Man and Pasadena, and Greg is here. You can go to Amazon Prime Video and get watch all the seasons of Discover Indie Film on Amazon Prime Video. But Brett's stuff is in season two and season seven. And you can also go to watchhightv.com and uh, watch it on that service. Both films are on that service in the documentary section. And... Yeah, so I'll just mention discoveryindiefilm.com is how you learn about the podcast and TV series. At DIF Wins is the social media for those. Sherman Oaks Film Festival is shermanoaksff.com and at shermanoaksff on social media. Film Invasion Los Angeles is filminvasionla.com and it's at filminvasionla on social media. And if you want to learn more about Brett and his films, go to smile-films.com and that'll be a clickable link on the website. Uh, and the show notes. And I think we're good. Excellent. All right, Brett, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, and thank you everyone for listening. Yeah.